I'm just regular like y'all. It's, I have stuff that happens during the week, and it drags me down and drags me down, and I, I have to just keep, I have to stop and just keep remembering, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you, Lord, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you, because I, I, that's the only way we all get through, because everything that happens during the week is the process of trying to uh, drag us away from trusting the Lord, and um, and it's just so easy. It's so easy to, to just give in to that. We're doomed. How many of you? How many of you just get in the middle of the? Uh, so, you know, you're just minding your own business and trying to get through the day, and all of a sudden this feeling just comes over you like, oh, no, we're, we're doomed. Uh, there's, there's, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit just says, well, this, it's not your job to know any of that. It's not your job to know what's going to happen. Uh, just trust me. Just trust me. I, I have to just start. I can. I get into that process of just breathing and just focusing on trusting the Lord, and and eventually I can get re-centered. Uh, it's like, I, but I have to remind myself. You know, it says in Psalm one thirty-one, "I have composed and quieted my soul." That's a choice. If you don't want your soul to be composed and quieted, it won't be. You've got to make the choice. In the middle of all the choices that you have, you have a choice to either trust Jesus or freak out. But if you just say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm going to trust you. And it it may take a few minutes of just breathing and saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. But eventually that panic, that fear lifts and suddenly you're back in the presence of God again. You're, everything is okay. You're on an even keel because you've, you have composed and quieted your soul and your hand, you can feel the hand of the Lord taking hold of your hand. Um, and then you can go on with whatever God has appointed for you to do that today. So that's awesome. So I, More and more my life has just gotten simpler and simpler spiritual, spiritually. <clears throat> I don't care nearly so much what the true identity or the spiritual significance might be of the third toe on the right foot of the bronze idol in the book of Daniel. I I just want to stay close to Jesus. I just want to rest in his presence. I just want to keep trusting him. And anything after that, everything after that is gravy. I don't know, I'm a big fan of gravy, but it's... Uh, anyhow, let me, let me show you this picture. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a great picture. But you could... Uh, there's, this is actually a portico share um, where you can drive cars in and out and drop people off. And that's the very tip of what's actually a very nice sanctuary 
but you can't see because of the portico share. And then this is a big cross tower that you can only see a little bit of. That just weren't, I couldn't find any really good pictures. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to tell me what this because you don't know, but I know this is Hyde Park Christian Church in Austin, Texas. That's the church where I grew up. This, is, this picture is on their website now. So this is, this is Hyde Park. This is the church that worships in the building at 610 East 45th Street in Austin, Texas. This is probably about all the people that, that could get to come outside and sit down. Um, anyhow, Hyde Park Christian Church in Austin, Texas. Um, that was my home church till 1977. We were members there from, I don't know, 56 till I moved away in 1977. So that's a long time, 21 years, something like that. We grew up there. And I will never forget worship services at Hyde Park Christian Church. So Disciples of Christ Church, so it's not a high church liturgy. Um, But Disciples of Christ Churches have always tried to pretend that that they were high church, liturgical churches with a particular type of litany that they went through. And there were three things. Well, there were, there were a handful of things you, could, you knew were always, always going to happen. You were going to always have communion, no matter else what happened. You are going to always have communion because that's a hallmark of the disciples of Christ. Communion every Sunday. You are going to have some kind of a sermon. And I'll just leave it at that. Some kind of a sermon. You're going to have some kind of a sermon. But then the, three, the other three things that you knew you were going to always do at Hyde Park Christian Church were um, you were going uh, you were going to sing the doxology after the offering was collected you know praise God from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below Praise Him above all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And at that point, if you're a little kid, you're looking around, trying to see where the Holy Ghost might be. But that's one thing. We're always going to do that. We were, and, and, and we're going to sing. Uh, glow. Now, there are a bunch of different versions of the Gloria Patri. And usually sang that uh, after some big prayer. We, you always sang the Gloria Patri. Now, th- this is the version we sang. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Every Sunday you were going to sing that. <clears throat> and the third thing you are always going to do is what? The Lord's, the Lord's Prayer. You are always going to say the Lord's Prayer. And here's the thing. Um, I grew up understanding that, yes, the Lord's Prayer is important. It must be important because... Um, because we sang it, because we did it every Sunday. And it's in the Bible. And people made a big deal of it, but, but we did it every Sunday. 
And you know, if you do something every Sunday without fail, eventually it's possible to do what? Do it by heart, do it without thinking, do it without paying attention. And it's like, you know, just, just on autopilot, now it's time to sing the Lord's Prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and yeah, the, the, and, and it, at some point, uh, you're, you're doing that, uh, lead us not to temptation, uh, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And, and you just, because you, sometimes when you go on autopilot, you, you just quit thinking about anything. And so, as Peggy and I, and a lot of our friends, as, as we came into a, a, a submitted relationship with the Holy Spirit, we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we got excited about the power of Jesus in our lives. Some of those old rituals that had already lost their meaning, anyhow, also lost their, their utility, their purpose. Why are we even doing it? Because it, it's, it's part of the old way. And so, so if you moved out of a, of a denominational mainline church experience into other, what we, we call possibly uh, uh, non-denominational um, let's just leave it at that. Non-denational, evangelical non-denational churches where the emphasis is just on worshiping and preaching the word and stuff like that. The, uh, the Lord's Prayer gets kind of shoved aside. We also agree it's important and we study it every once in a while because hmm, this must be important. Let's study it. But we quit. We quit practicing it. We quit praying it. We, because... Somewhere along the way, we forgot if we ever knew why it's important. And honestly, I think most people were never taught why it's important. It's just a thing that we always do in church since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Now it's time to sing the Lord's Prayer. Now we sit down. Stand up for this, sit down for that, stand up again for this, sit down for that. Uh, if we stand up and sit down enough times, then we can go home. Uh, yeah, just like regular church. Okay, so as I, you know, that I keep regaling you from time to time about these experiences that I have is I've, I've learned to, to focus my quiet time around just resting in the Lord and praying this simple prayer. Lord, reduce me to faith. Reduce me to hope. Reduce me to love. I just want it to be about you, Lord, and not about me. And one day, this is not instant. This doesn't have anything to do with the book of Acts, in case you're curious. It's, I just felt like I needed to tell you this. I've been thinking about it for a few weeks. Um, one day as I'm in this process, just, just breathing and resting and surrendering to God, reduce me to faith, reduce me to hope, reduce me to love. It seems so clear that the Holy Spirit just sort of whispered to me, oh, now it's time for you. I, now I can, I can see you're ready to hear what the Lord's Prayer is really about. Oh, okay. I mean, it's in the Bible. I knew it was important because Jesus said, this is how, this is how to pray. Uh, but... Uh, 
So Matthew and, and uh, Luke have slightly different versions of how the story goes. Uh, this is the Matthew version. Uh, I will just add this. I'll stick a little bit of the Luke version on the top of this. Uh, in Luke's version, the apostles come to Jesus and say, Lord, please teach us how to pray. We see you going off into the mountains to some quiet place at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're gone for hours, and then you come back, and we know that you're praying, but we don't know what you're doing. John the Baptist, he taught his disciples how to pray. Lord, we want you to teach us how to pray. We're tired of being left out. We want to know how to pray. We want to pray. We want to pray. And so Jesus says, all right. Now we pick up with Matthew's version where Jesus says this. He says, so first thing I need you to understand, when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So pray then like this. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now that's a cool prayer, isn't it? That's a cool prayer. You can sense coming closer to God just when you pray it. But I submit to you that this was never intended to be prayed as a prayer. Um, It doesn't mean you can't pray it as a prayer. But as I was in my quiet time and the Lord was... And it's not like I haven't taught on this a little bit before, but it just suddenly has more meaning now. God helped me to, to understand in a completely different way that this is... Um, this is a model for praying. This is, so, so he says, um, there's a very important part in this prayer. It comes before he actually teaches the prayer. The most important part of this passage is where Jesus says, the first thing you have to understand is this. God already knows your needs. You don't... Before you ask, God already knows your needs. Turn around, look at somebody, get their attention, look them straight in the eye right now and say, listen, God already knows your needs even before you ask. All right? Wayne, God already knows your needs even before you ask. you believe that? God knows your needs even before you... That's right. Chuck, God already knows your needs even before you ask. God knows your needs... We, see, we, uh, we think prayer is for activating God and motivating, motivating Him to do stuff that we think we need because He's not getting with the program. God, down here, this is Jackie. Pay attention down here, Lord. You're, you, you need to keep up. Keep up, God, because this is happening and this is happening and this is happening and I need you to do something. I need you to fix this now. Um, come on, God. Let, get with the program. Let's get moving. We're, we think it's, it's for activating God but apparently not. Because Jesus says the first thing you need to know about prayer is that you don't need to activate God. You don't need to give God any kind of special information. Because God already knows. 
God already knows your needs even before you ask. So don't waste God's time by telling him stuff that he already knows. Quickest way to lose a sale if you're trying to, pre- to present something to an executive, if you're a sales rep, you try to present something to a business owner or to an executive of a big corporation. The biggest mistake you can make by, uh, uh, pre- when you're presenting to an executive is to tell them stuff they already know. They need you to tell them stuff that they need to know. Of course, that's not the purpose of prayer. That's just because uh, God already knows everything. But God already knows you need your ass, so you don't have to activate him. So what is prayer for? Ah. According to the, to the Lord's Prayer model, that's what I'm calling it now, this is actually um, a foundation for your prayer life, for every time you get in before the presence, when you get into the presence of God to pray about anything, we can call it your quiet time, or you can call it, I don't care what you call it. This has now become a model that helps me get closer to God and feel more focused on his presence and hear his voice more clearly as we, we have to deal with some things. Foundation for prayer number one. The first thing that, hap- that needs to happen, or is that's happening for me, let's just put it this way. Now what's now happening for me is the first, the foundation for prayer, the first step is worship. Our Father who is in heaven, your name is holy. Just start right there. So you enter into his presence. Lord, you're awesome. By focusing on him and who he is and on his love and on his mercy and his goodness and his faithfulness. Don't start going, God, blah, 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 help. You're just focusing on him and who he is and that he's in heaven and he has come down by the power of the Holy Spirit to be with you in this moment. He's right here with you and he's lifting you up by the power of the Holy Spirit to be with him. And the first thing that should happen is just pour out your love to him and declare your trust in him. Say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I thank you. I just just want to humble myself at your feet. I just want to receive whatever you want to receive from me today. Lord God, come and be God in my life. You are awesome awesome in power and you just go and you just worship in that way until until you, until you sense in the Holy Spirit it's okay to go to the next step because the next step is this um, foundation for prayer number two it's the st- worship and humility are very close together so you go from worship to humility where you say Lord let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right up front. Don't start with telling God what to do. Acknowledge his sovereignty and make it clear that what you really want is for him to enter into your life and into all the situations on your heart and to do what he wants to do. Lord, it's your kingdom. I just want your will to be done. I I want your will to be done in my life right now, just like it's being done in heaven. 
Yeah, then that's, you can, that's when you shake everything out of your hands and lift them up. Let, thank you, Lord, that's a good point. Uh, you, you let go of all the junk that you brought in there and says, Lord, I'm, um, I just want to trust you. I just want to trust you. Uh, let whatever's happening in your kingdom right now start happening in me, with me, around me. I can't make it happen, but that's what I want. Lord, what I want is for you to be Lord in every aspect in my life. Um, okay, that sounds good, right? Make, and this is what makes your heart ready to be a vessel for his spirit to work in you. Again, we're not begging, we're not pleading, we're not knocking on the door of heaven yet. We're just surrendering. We're humbling ourselves to God, getting the order straight. There is a God in the universe. It is not you. You are not him. Let's get that straight before anything else happens. So, foundation for prayer number three. Stay in the moment. Right now, I mean, there's all sorts of things you could be talking about, but stay in the moment, in this moment. Uh, He says, give us... This day, our daily bread. Y'all remember? Back in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were wandering around in the wilderness and they were afraid they were going to starve. Oh no, Mr. Bill, we're going to starve. Uh, what did God do? To keep them. He sent them manna from heaven and also, what else? Yeah, quails. Quails, doves, you know, uh, yeah, quails have more meat on them. I guess that's true. It depends on what gauge shotgun you use. But, uh, um, but anyhow, he sent manna and he sent quail. But there was a very important rule. Rule was what? Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't have any leftovers. You couldn't put it in the freezer and save it for next week or next month. Now, fortunately, today we have freezers and we have Gene Hall. So we've got all sorts of things that we have in our freezers right now. <laughs> but in those days, you couldn't keep it because it would turn bad and it would make you sick. Give us this day, right now, today, what it is that we need for today. I'm just focusing on today. I just want to focus on today. The, listen to this, y'all. The past is over. A lot of times we, we end up praying about stuff that happened in the past. We're still struggling with shame. We're still struggling with doubt. We're still struggling with bitterness. Uh, We're still struggling with some other stuff we're going to get to in a second. Uh, That's in the past. Good, bad, indifferent. It's done. You have no control over it. It's done. We spend so, we waste so much time obsessing about stuff that happened back then, which can't be undone and it can't come back so that we can fix it again you know how much time we waste trying to fix the past yeah now now in the future tomorrow isn't here yet the other thing we worry about is oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh what's, what about what's going to happen next month how am I going to deal with this thing next month uh, we worry about stuff that hasn't happened yet as if we start worrying about it in advance and somehow God will start working harder to fix it uh, so we waste this. Um, we, we waste all this time obsessing over the past or worrying about the future. And God says, 
In my kingdom, there is only today. There is only now. The most important moment for you and Jesus in the kingdom of God is what's happening right now with the next breath that you're taking in here right now. He is with us now. He's walking with us now. He is comforting us now. He is being faithful now. He is meeting the needs we have right now. Now, we may have a whole list of needs that we think we have. And God's just saying, um, no, I'm meeting the needs that I know you have. Remember when I started teaching when Jesus, when I started teaching you this, three or four verses up there, what did I tell you? I know your needs. You may have all sorts of you think, things that you think are needs. I know your needs, and I've got them. I'm taking care of you. Just trust me right now. In this moment, you need to know that your sins are forgiven. In this moment, you need to know that I love you more than life itself. In this moment, you need to know that I'm going to always be faithful to you. In this moment, I am going to meet the needs that you have in this moment, starting with your next breath. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today, in this moment, whatever it is that we need to make it to the next moment. To make it to the next moment. So I'm sitting there, I'm just praying, Lord, thank you today. Thank you for your faithfulness today. I'm worried so much about stuff that I can't control in the first place and it hasn't happened in the second place. Lord, thank you for comforting me right now. Thank you for sitting with me right now. Thank you that... I've, um, I have exactly what I need to make it through the next minute, the next hour for the rest of this day. Thank you, God, that you are faithful to me. Forgive me trying to fix things that aren't even my responsibility. I'm trusting you. So I'm, and then, so I'm talking, about, talking to him about that. It's really, we waste so much time and energy worrying about stuff that is over or worrying about things that may never happen. God is always faithful now. God is always faithful now. Let's, let's all say that together. God is always faithful now. God can't be faithful in the future because you're not in the future yet. And when, and when you get into the future, what's it going to be? Now. When you get to the future, it's going to be now and you will see when it's now that God is faithful in that moment because he always is. Thank you, Lord, for giving me now my daily bread to meet the needs that I have. Okay, this one's a little more interesting. Foundation for prayer number four, let it go. Let it go. There's some kind of a song about that. All right. So, yeah. Uh, you have to be frozen. Uh, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Boy, if there's anything that can eat up, we've gotten to this far and we're starting to feel the peace of God. Yes, Lord, it's your kingdom. Thank you, God, I'm just worshiping you. I just want your will to be done in my life. Thank you, God, to meet my needs today. And then, God, there's Sarah. God, I just need for you to call fire down on heaven. From, from heaven on Sarah right now and fix this and take this away from me. And what happens to all of your peace? 
and all your joy and all your rest. It just... Lord, you, you know what she did to me. You know what she said about me. You know how she just cut me off and abandoned me and she talked about me. You know all the things I did for her and she didn't do a thing for me. God, I want you to just... I want you to go over there and sort her out right now. And I want you to just... And you just get all wound up, fired up, and, and your, your joy is gone. All right, so there's a syntax thing we have to talk about here. Uh, we already know that we are forgiven unconditionally because of the cross. So it's unlikely that what Jesus is really talking about here is that we won't be forgiven if we don't forgive. Because it's already done. That's already accomplished. But here's the thing. Unforgiveness is a poison that we drink hoping the other person will die. Does that make any sense? Let's, let's read this together uh, with, with gusto. Unforgiveness is a poison that we drink hoping the other person will die. Now let's personalize that with an I here. Unforgiveness is a poison that I drink hoping the other person will die. And we all have some people on that list in our lives, don't we? We try to sort of you know, gloss over it and say, oh yes, I've, I've forgiven that person. It was awful, it was horrible, but I've forgiven them now. Except that what happens every time uh, you hear their name or you see them in the grocery store? Yeah. Blood pressure goes up, bad taste in your mouth, your stomach goes flip-flops, your muscle starts to tense. Um, you run around to the other aisle uh, and hide. Um, it just starts, it starts to gnaw on you. So here's the problem. As long as we hold on to those debts, demanding that that other person repent and change first, then we lose all of our joy and all of our hope and all of our peace and we slide back into bitterness, hardening our hearts towards them. Boy, this is horrible. Listen to this. Unforgiveness starts with us hardening our hearts towards them, but if it's not dealt with, it eventually hardens our hearts towards him. Because we, we know, we all know what God says about forgiving others. And as long as we're holding on to unforgiveness, it begins to affect our ability to trust God and to be surrendered to Him and to be submitted to Him. And to just, we can't trust and rejoice in the love of God in our lives as long as we are holding hardness in our hearts towards other people. So, at this point, you get thrown back into a state where for all practical purposes, it, your forgiveness is... is you're not able to enjoy the forgiveness that you received in Jesus and the freedom that that forgiveness brings because you put yourself back into hardness and bitterness. You can't walk in the forgiveness of God and the joy that it brings if you have not forgiven the other people and spit out the poison. Now, I could teach on forgiveness for six weeks. That's all I'm going to tell you about now because, but it's, it's that important. Unforgiveness 
will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of the joy of your salvation. It will harden your heart. Um, and it will cause you to pull away from God. Um, and he's just saying, let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. It's not, whatever it is, it's not worth it. You can pray for those people. You can grieve for what happened. But you can, you can still let it go. Distrust me with it. I love them. I know that you don't love them right now, but I still love them. And I'm still working in their lives. And the more bitterness you carry in your heart towards them, and the more it affects your body language, and it affects the way that you behave around them, the more of a roadblock it sets up between me and them. So just let it go. I don't want a roadblock between you and me. I don't want a roadblock between me and them. I love them. I love you. Let me take this. Let me... Put that on your pile of stuff that you're throwing on the floor and then trust me. Just let it go. You can't go forward with me if you're holding on to past hurts with them. If I for, I've already forgiven them. I've already forgiven you. Do you want me to treat them like you would treat them? Do you want me to treat you like you would treat them? Or do you want to trust me and let it go? <sighs> and I know you've already got people on your mind that you're, you need to deal with about that, so I, I'm going to stop right there. Except this last thing. Stop whining and let it go. Trust Jesus to fix it in his time. Oh, and this is a big issue. Trust Jesus to fix it in his time. In his time. You're already forgiven. They're, all for, they're already forgiven. Uh, I trust Jesus to fix the brokenness in his time. Okay? All right. And so that's foundation for prayer number four. Here's number five. And this is also kind of interesting, sort of a syntax thing going on here. The next step is, after you've let it go, then you shift to thanking God, uh, expressing to him your willingness to follow him in perseverance and protection. Do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a syntax challenge here in the way it comes out in English because temptation is real. You can't just say, God, don't, don't lead me into any temptation, God, because temptation is real. It's a thing. The, the Greek word here is perizan, and it means, here's important to understand, it means to test the quality of something, not to lure somebody into sin. I mean, the same word is used when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tested. Or tempted. It just depends on which translation you read. But the words are saying, Jesus was led into the wilderness to experience testing and temptation. And every day we walk through situations that put testing or pressure in our lives. And the same word is also used here in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. There's no temptation or testing that has come upon you except that which is common to man. Everybody goes through this. And God is faithful. You know, there's, an, you know, there's another way to trans, translate this first sentence. You know what it is? Life is hard. God is faithful. It comes from this verse. Life is hard. It's hard for everybody. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but in the, in the temptation, he will provide the way of escape. He provided the way for Jesus to escape temptation in the wilderness. Jesus just kept quoting the word back to the evil one, quoting the word back to the evil one. 
and standing his ground, putting his trust in Jesus, not budging, continuing to affirm his faith. There are lot, scholars, there's lots of, I mean, lots and lots and lots of scholarly work on this, but it just comes down to the fact <laughs> these testing times come in our lives not so that we can find out whether God is faithful or not, or not, not, so that we can, not so that God can find out if we're faithful or not, because God has his hand on us. It's, we go through these times so that we can see that God is faithful to us. These are the experiences where we know God is with us and we don't have to be afraid. So on the, the tag at the end, it says, deliver us from evil. Most scholars that I've ever read about this says that the, the better translation is deliver us from the evil one, where we're saying... God, I don't want the devil to win in my life. How many of you don't want the devil to win in your life? Okay, some of you are having to think about that a little bit. Uh, um, I, I, think, I, I think that if it weren't for the syntax issue, what we would probably could say here is, Lord, I'm willing to trust you and go through whatever you want me to go through. Just don't let the devil win. Just don't let the devil win. And we see uh, the pattern that Jesus established in the wilderness. He went through everything the devil could throw at him. And God was faithful. The power of the Holy Spirit, his knowledge of the word, the devil didn't win. The devil tried his best, but God was faithful. Anybody had any experiences like that? You know what it's like to feel like the devil just hit you with his best shot? And all you could do is just hold on and trust Jesus. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Lord, don't lead me into temptation and testing that I can't, that I can't survive. And please don't let the devil win. Okay, we're almost done. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is a matter of surrendering, finally surrendering and trusting. Um, I, and most, the, most of the oldest texts that we have don't have this phrase in there. That's why most of your Bibles you'll see it's in brackets. Because it's in the older, it's in, it's in the fairly newer texts. Like it's, it's, it's in texts from like the 7th century. It's not in texts that we have from the 3rd century. Uh, but somehow or another it got in there and it's just such a cool passage that people wanted to keep it in because this is a great way to wrap up this model. Lord, it's your kingdom and it's your power and it's your glory forever. It's your kingdom, not mine. It's sustained by your power, not mine. It's for your glory, not mine. I am trusting you in all things. Amen. So here's how, I, here's how I do this now in my quiet time. I start with this worship. Lord, you're awesome. I, Lord, I, I'm just humbling myself before you. Bless your name, Lord. Um, I just want your kingdom to come in my life. A lot of stuff going on around me, Lord. It's pulling me, it's distracting me lots of different ways, but Lord, I, I just want your, I want this to be about your kingdom and I want it to be, uh, and your will to be done in my life. Thank you, God, 
for taking care of me today. I'm worried about this, 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 and this. I'm letting go of all that stuff, Lord. I just thank you for meeting my needs today. And Lord, there was this disappointing thing that happened yesterday with you-know-who. God, it's just been bugging me, Lord, and I, and I, I'm, I want to let that go. Help me let that go. Help me to be able to treat that person today with the same love that you have for them. Lord, I confess that I've been, I've allowed bitterness to take a root in my life, and I, Lord, deliver me. Don't go past this point when you're preparing yourself for your quiet time. Don't go past this point until you feel certain that any unforgiveness that you have towards people has been addressed. Not that you feel 100% free, but confess and repent and to the best that you can just say, Lord, I'm putting it in your hands. I don't know how to love them. God, give me your love for them so that I don't embarrass you the next time that I'm around them. Um, and Lord, the rest of my week has been, I mean, my week up to now has been really hard. I'm not sure I can go through one more step, but Lord, I know that you're faithful. So I'm willing to go through whatever it is you want me to go through. Just don't let the devil win in my life. Lord, just don't let the devil win. Thank you for your faithfulness, for getting me through in a way that's victorious. Because Lord, it's, it's your kingdom, not mine. It's your power, not mine. It's your glory, not mine. So I'm surrendering this all to you now. Show me how you want me. Now, Lord, show me how you want me to pray today and show me what you want to pray for today. So you get through the Lord's Prayer model. And that's what prepares your heart for whatever else you are then. You've been cleaned up. You've been reinforced. You've gotten your priorities straight. You're now ready to hear the voice of God. When Jesus says, here's what I want you to pray about. I mean, when Jesus says, pray like this, the Lord's prayer is to prepare you to hear his voice so that you can pray according to his will and not yours. Does that make sense? Um... And it takes all the franticness out of it. It takes all the hystericalness out of it. It takes all the poison out of your heart and allows you to pray in harmony with him. So let's just stop right now. I know... I know that there are things that you've been praying about day after day after day after day, year after year after year. The Lord's Prayer is your model for turning prayers from whining and panic and fear into hope and faith and love and victory. Clear everything else out of the way so that the voice of God can come through. I want to just, in this minute, I want you to just check in with the Holy Spirit right now. Before we leave here today, check in 
right at whatever's right, whoever it is that's right at the top of the list of the people that you need to forgive. And you are, I mean, it's already, the Lord's, even in this sermon, he's already reminded you of it. So just go back to that. And if you can, even conjure up the, the, the face of that person. Do they look like they're full of the joy of the Holy Spirit? Do they look like they're experiencing the peace of God? Do they look like they've... Or do they look like they could... that they have a big need for experiencing love, experiencing a touch from Jesus? Are you... Are you being a conduit of God's love to them today? Ask God, if it's possible, I, you know, it's just up to between, it's between you and God. Ask God to show you right now if there is anything he would like for you to do that could somehow communicate to them today that they are loved. Not, don't write them a, a little Hallmark card saying, just want you to know God loves you today, unless that's what God tells you to do. But is there, is, is there some tangible way you communicate to them that they are worthy of being loved. Can you let go of your unforgiveness and put it in God's hands and it, by the power of the Holy Spirit become a conduit for his love? Not expecting anything back from them, including an apology, but just being a conduit for his love and let him work. Lord, we put these people, we've been having them in our hands because we're trying to strangle them. But Lord, we're letting go of them now. We're putting them in your hands. Thank you, God, for your mercy and giving me the grace to let it go and love them anyway. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for uh, taking care of us even before we were born. Mm-hmm. We thank you for doing this in your heart and mind before the earth was formed. And you knew it was going to happen. So, Father, we just celebrate it. We uh, meditate on it. We thank you and we worship you for it. I ask you to bless this time, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we, we offer our, our gifts to you, our sacrifices. We ask you to bless them. Father, teach us how to give. Teach us how to be a blessing to this community and to your heart, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.